Today you will learn God uses ordinary people. Now before we begin, let me tell you a story that happened a couple of years ago. It has to do with an airline company called Varig Airlines. Have you heard of that company? It's in Brazil. Now they were going to fly, if you look at the map, they were going to fly from Madaba, Maraba, to Belém. That is Varig Flight 254. It will take only around uh, less than an hour. But the captain did something that's not right. Instead of pressing the right code, example, if the code says 20257, whatever it is, he forgot to put the first number. No zero, just 25 something. As a result, the plane went the opposite direction. Instead of north, it went this way. Do you understand what happened? And then the captain began to realize something is wrong. It's already 45, 50 minutes. I should be there, but I'm not yet there. And he cannot see anything. Now, what's so amazing is this. Now, listen to this. The captain, perhaps because of his self-confidence, did not bother to really consult what really went wrong. He was depending on his own experience, on his own knowledge. So the first officer told him, we are wrong. Something is wrong. But this guy, for whatever reason, told the tower, okay, the tower, uh, we will be landing in around five minutes. He did not even bother to tell the tower, I am lost. Guess what happened? Well, look, he went the opposite direction. The plane, after running out of fuel, the plane crashed. What's so tragic, the captain and the first officer, while they survived, 25% of the passengers died. Why am I giving you this story? Because all of us may not realize this. In your mind, in your head, you have a compass. You have a GPS. It is the accumulated knowledge that you have in helping you navigate through life. You see, as you go through life, you have problems. You can have marital problems. You can have relationship problems. But then you make decisions. How do you make decisions? If your GPS is not correct, you're going to have a problem. If your compass is not accurate, you're going to have a problem. You can be sincere, like this captain. Sincerely wrong. After the investigation, they canceled his pilot license, and the first officer's license was canceled. Never allowed to fly again. My point is this. Choices have consequences. Some are minor, some are major. But all of you, whether you like it or not, you have a GPS in your mind. You have a compass. It's how you make decisions. Think about it. You don't make decisions by random. You go through life. But how do you make decisions? I'm asking you today to think carefully, how do you make decisions? Our topic today is very simple. It's called Wise Up, Wise Up, Choose God's Wisdom. Everybody, share it with me. Wise Up, Choose God's Wisdom. Now, what is God's Wisdom? Let me tell you first, what is wisdom, right? Knowledge, everybody read with me. Knowledge is the acquisition of truth. Agree? Knowledge. The only problem today in school, they may be teaching you something that is not true. So there's a lot of garbage we are learning. So you learn to discern knowledge, true knowledge versus fake knowledge. Wisdom, everybody read, wisdom is the application of knowledge. Now let me ask you if you have wisdom. How many of you believe exercise is good? Raise your hand. How many of you believe to be healthy, you need to eat properly? Raise your hands. How many of you believe to be healthy, you need to sleep properly? Wow, all of you are smart. Now, how many of you are applying 
those principles, you are exercising regularly, you are eating properly. Raise your hands. How come the others are not? Because you lack wisdom. You have knowledge, but you don't have wisdom. Today, I'm going to talk about God's wisdom. What is God's wisdom? Everybody read. Godly wisdom is the application of God's truth in your life. Application of God's truth. It is the God-given ability to evaluate and make decisions based on biblical truth. Now, many of us may have secular wisdom. Nothing wrong, because all truth comes from God. However, there are special truths, spiritual truths, revealed in the Bible. So you need to know what are these truths. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you believe the Bible is the Word of God? Raise your hands. You believe the Bible is the Word of God. Okay. How many of you read the Bible daily or you have finished reading the entire Bible? Raise your hand. What happened to the rest of you? You believe the Bible is the Word of God. Have you read the Bible completely? Many of you, first raise your hand. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. Then I ask you, have you studied the entire Bible? Let me see. Raise your hand one more time. How many of you have done that? What happened to the rest of you? Why are you not raising your hand? Can I tell you why? You lack godly wisdom. If I believe the Bible is God's word, it is God's truth, you cannot stop me from reading the Bible. I will find a way to read the Bible. I will want to read the Bible. I will desire to read the Bible because in my mind, it is God's word. However, if you know it is God's word, but you don't bother to read the Bible, in Tagalog, ano ba yan? In English, what is that? I don't know what is that. Now, my friend, the church at Corinth, they have big problems. You'll be was, I'm wondering, how, why are we talking about wisdom? Well, the church at Corinth, remember their problem? They were fighting. If you recall last Sunday, we talked about they were splitting into four camps. One group says, I'm of Paul. Another group says, no, 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 we are with Cephas, we are with Apollos. Of course, the most holy, I am with Jesus. So you have four groups. The church was splitting. The church at Corinth is probably the most problematic church recorded in the New Testament. Why? Corinth, remember the word Corinth? Corinthians, when you use the word Corinth, what does it mean? It means what? Unbridled sexual desire. The word Corinthian is not a complementary word in the time of Paul. It, it has to do with sexual immorality. This church has lots of problems. They sue each other. They have immorality, incest. They are confused about what kind of food we should eat. I mean, all kinds of problems. But the major problem is strife. They were quarreling among themselves. So the amazing thing is this. Did you remember last Sunday? What was the root problem of their quarreling? Look at your own life. If you are quarreling with your wife, with your brother, with your sister, with your family members, what do you think is the root problem? Do you recall the root problem? The root problem is what? Man-centeredness. They were centered on themselves. They were following people. It is not God-centered. So if you look at your life today, many of our problems is simply because we are self-centered, man-centered. And because of being man-centered, Paul is saying you are following the philosophies of the world. So the Apostle Paul spent three chapters discussing godly wisdom with human wisdom. And he's saying, you Corinthians... You are so in love with secular wisdom, I'm going to tell you they are useless. You've got to focus on godly wisdom. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, you see the word wisdom, wisdom, wisdom appearing at least how many times? 15 times. So today, we are going to discuss 
the wisdom that comes from God. Now, this message will not appeal to you, listen to me, if you don't believe that God exists. Let me repeat. If you don't believe God exists, why should we choose God's wisdom? If God, did, if God does not exist, He did not make us. If nobody made us, then your wisdom is as good as mine. Now, this is reality. If God made us, and I believe we have a creator, I believe we did not come by accident. I don't believe that life came from non-life. I don't believe we're a product of chance. I believe there is a creator, and God made you, God made me. Therefore, God knows what is best. God invented marriage. So God knows what is best for marriage. God invented sex. So he knows what is best for sex. God invented you. He invented me. Therefore, it makes sense to choose what? What's the topic today? Wise up. Choose God's wisdom. But if there's no God, forget this message, okay? Don't even bother to hear. I will allow you to be excused and I won't feel bad. But if you believe that God exists and he made you, then he knows what's best for you. And if God knows what's best for you, let's follow his advice. Everybody, what's the topic today? Tell your neighbor, wise up. In fact, you should point up, wise up. Everybody, tell your neighbor, look at your neighbor in the eyes and say, wise up. Wise up. Choose God's wisdom. Do you know the Bible talks about wisdom that is so crucial? There are two kinds of wisdom. Are you aware of that? Two kinds of wisdom. The first kind, believe it or not, is in the book of James. It tells us, if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant, so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. That is why when you want to resolve conflict in the church at Corinth, Paul is saying, don't use natural wisdom. Because it produces what? Bitter jealousy, selfish ambition. It makes you proud. All right? Look at the wisdom that comes. By the way, this wisdom is scary. It talks about earthly. What else? Everybody read? Natural. Demonic. Wow. By the way, that's how demons control us. He gives you ideas. And you think those are true. Read the next verse. But the wisdom, everybody read. The wisdom from above, ah, from God, is what? Pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The wisdom of God will help you, will help you relationship-wise. There will be peace. There will be harmony. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Now, I want to give you an example of how godly wisdom will resolve conflict. Are you ready? For example, earthly wisdom. How do they resolve conflict? If you follow the wisdom of the world. Young people, let's see if you can identify. Wisdom of the world in resolving conflict. Cancel. Totobayan, cancel. How do we cancel each other? I never understood this years ago. How do we cancel each other? Facebook. Twitter. Instagram. The old people may not know what do you mean cancel. How do we cancel each other? Do you agree some people cancel each other? When you disagree? What about worldly wisdom? Leave the person. Is that true? You don't like somebody? Do you know I tell my children when there's problem you don't leave. I may, when I teach parent, parenting, I tell them that is why you should not leave each other. Because you are showing a picture to the next generation. When you don't like something, you just quit. The truth is this. God allows people that are hard to live with because God is using them to transform our character. Amen? But our tendency today is quit. I leave the person. You know why? What's in your mind? 
I am not ready to forgive. Can you imagine if Jesus were to say that to you? You are asking for forgiveness and Jesus says, I'm not yet ready. If Jesus were to tell you he's not ready to forgive you, would you like that? Oh, it's time to think of my own happiness. Have you heard of this statement? In Tagalog, tama na. My friend, all self-centered wisdom. Do to him as he has done to you. Give him a taste of his own medicine. Now, let's see at godly wisdom. How does godly wisdom resolve conflict? Number one, everybody, humble yourself. There's a conflict. You don't have to prove who is right, who is wrong. Humble yourself. Number two, example, do not retaliate. How? Forgive. By the way, how many times should we forgive? According to Jesus, how many times? Louder? That's how many times? Listen to me. The word forgive means somebody has offended you. The meaning of the word forgive is somebody has done something wrong. Talagang mali naman eh. But then you forgive. What's so funny? We forgive people who have done nothing wrong against us. It's just your vain imagination. Akala mo, ginawa niya yan. My friend, listen. How many of you have committed sin against God over 1,000 times? Raise your hand. Over 1,000 times. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Keep it up. I want to see those who have not committed sin more than 1,000 times. Now, if you have committed sin more than 1,000 times, has God forgiven you? Oh, if God has forgiven you, why do you find it hard to forgive others? You know, that is what has helped me. When I look at my own sin, and I've been forgiven, I say, Lord, I thank you. Who am I not to forgive others? That is the wisdom that comes from God. And then not just forgive. What are we supposed to do? Love. If you love nice people, then you don't need supernatural love. Love is loving the unlovable. Look at what the Bible says. Bless and pray for those who curse you. In fact, Jesus tells us, bless those who hate you. My friend, if you want to resolve conflict, you have two choices. Choose God's wisdom, God's way, or choose man's way. The church at Corinth did not know that they are following the wisdom of the world. So you need to choose God's wisdom. Are we ready to continue discussing? By the way, I just included this verse, Romans 12, 13. Do you know why? Let's read this together. If possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. That is my principle in life. When you, when people don't like me, they've been hurt, I will do my best to be at peace with them. But I have to tell you, sadly, but truthfully, there are some people who refuse to meet, who refuse to fix the relationship. So there are things that's outside your control. If they're outside your control, if you read Romans chapter 12, you leave that to God. Because God says, vengeance is his. It is not your part to prove you are right. It is not your job to impress people how right you are, how wrong they are. The Bible says, God is the one. Your job is to be at peace. Your job is to seek out people, ask for forgiveness, have a dialogue. But if there are people who will not want to talk to you, what do you do? Keep loving God, keep loving them. That's it. Now, the Apostle Paul described now the reality of God's wisdom. Today, I have a simple message, okay? Just three important principles about God's wisdom. What is God's wisdom? Number one, God's wisdom is Christ-centered. You will learn this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It is centered on Christ. Number two, God's wisdom is counterintuitive. It is counter to human intelligence, to human ideas. And number three, God's wisdom has power. 
changing power. It changes lives because of the Holy Spirit. Now, are we ready to understand God's wisdom based on 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, 3? Are you ready? All right, let's talk about the first one. It is centered on Christ. Let's look at the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who are being saved. It is the power of God. The apostle Paul switches gear. After telling them to be reconciled, to be with each other, he now talks about the word of the cross is foolishness. What is he talking about? Notice this verse. This verse tells us there are two kinds of people in this room. Two kinds. First, those who are perishing. And you find the gospel, the word of the cross simply means the gospel. The word of the cross is about Jesus. And you think that's foolishness. To those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, God's wisdom is foolishness to the world. It's foolishness. It says here, the word of the cross is foolishness. But to us who are saved, it is the power of God. Now, what is God's wisdom? It is centered on Jesus. Look at the next verse, everybody. Let's look at first. The Bible tells us, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. The gospel is about Jesus. So when the apostle Paul talks about the word of the cross, he's referring to the gospel, the good news. It's about Jesus. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. It saves us. Now let's continue reading 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. He's now con contrasting God's wisdom and man's wisdom. It is written, everybody read, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? You can see his Making a contrast. God's wisdom, man's wisdom. And he's saying man's wisdom is foolishness. Wow, what does that mean? Let's continue reading. In the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Again, he makes a contrast. The wisdom of God the world did not find God through its wisdom. In short, the Bible is saying all those with PhD degree, with master's degree, those who think they are very smart, you do not come to know God through your intellect. Huh. That's humbling. The Bible tells us the in the wisdom of God, he made sure that the wisdom of the world will not be the venue to know him. In fact, how will you know him? He says, the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The gospel is foolishness to the world. What do I mean? Let's continue reading. Indeed, Jews ask for a sign. Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. I hope you understand what he's saying. He's saying the message of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus is foolishness and a stumbling block to the people of the world. Let me tell you why the gospel is foolishness. Let me tell you. Once you preach the gospel, you talk about salvation through Jesus. What are you saying? Number one, you are saying we are all sinners. To the people of the world, that's foolishness. That's offensive. Are you telling me I'm a sinner? Once you preach and believe the gospel, you are saying you cannot save yourself. That's offensive. What about my good works? Are you telling me all my good works, all my charity, all my donation will not make me go to heaven? That's what the gospel is saying. You cannot save yourself. You are a sinner. That's very insulting. You see, understand now? Why people have a hard time coming to Jesus? Worst of all, you tell people Jesus is the only way. Oh my goodness. Are you telling us Jesus is the only way to heaven? That's offensive. That's insulting. That's why the Bible says the wisdom of God 
is foolishness to the world. To the Jews, they look for signs. Do you know when Jesus was on earth, the Jews talked to him, the Jews said, show us signs that we will believe you. Do you recall? Give us signs that we can believe you. And Jesus said, a sinful, adulterous generation is always looking for signs. But the sad thing is this, Jesus gave them signs. He made the blind to see. He made the deaf to hear. He made the dead come back to life. And yet they did not believe because miracle signs does not transform the heart of people. I've seen people observe so many miracles and their lives are temporarily maybe attracted to Jesus, but they don't really change. You know what will change people? The gospel, the good news about Jesus. But are you telling us, Peter, are you, is the gospel saying you will go to hell without Jesus? That is so Crazy. Ah, my friend, that's why. Read the next verse. To those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks. Who are the called? You. You, you are called out by Jesus. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That is wisdom. Christ, the power to save us. But, uh, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This is a figurative speech, meaning God is not a fool. But he's trying to say, even the foolishness of God is still wiser than men. God is not weak, but he's saying even the weakness of God is stronger than men. What is he saying? He's saying the supremacy of God's wisdom. It is so infinitely higher than man's wisdom. Now, I want to share with you something that why you need to understand. The wisdom of God has somehow been obscured by the people of the world. You know why it's obscured? They can understand. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4 tells us something. Will you please read this? If our gospel, the good news about Jesus. By the way, what is the gospel? The gospel is what? Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Yeah. Do you understand the gospel? The good news. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, for my sins. And he rose again from the dead to save us. So gospel means what? Good news. If the good news is veiled. Veiled. Remember the word veiled? Velo. Uh, <laughs> yes, I know, Vicky. Velo. But velo, basically in the Greek language, it has to do with smoke. Lots of smoke. You cannot see. Your vision is darkened. You cannot see. The Bible says if our gospel is veiled, darkened, it is darkened to those who are perishing. Remember I told you in this room today, two kinds of people. Those who are perishing and those who are saved. What happens well, the reason why you don't see, everybody read. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Who is the God of this world? Everybody, who is the God of this world? Louder. Satan. Satan is real. So don't be shocked. When you share the Bible, when you share the good news with your family members, with your friends, and they have no interest. The reason they have no interest is because they don't see. So don't be angry at people when they laugh at the gospel, when they laugh at you, when you share with them the Bible and they say, that's a joke. Don't be angry because they cannot see. While you'll be angry with somebody blind, he cannot see things. In fact, you should have compassion on the person. So what you need to do is to pray. And that's what I do. I pray for people. The second thing you need to know about God's wisdom is it is counterintuitive. It's really different. It's contrary to human opinion. Example, Isaiah 58 tells us. Everybody read together. Isaiah 58. Isaiah 55, I mean. Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, 
so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Here, God is saying clearly, His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. In simple English, His IQ is higher than your IQ. Can you tell your neighbor in the eyes, look at them and say, God is more intelligent than you. In fact, that is an understatement of the year. But yet we are so proud. We want God to do things the way we want him to do. Height of human arrogance. You will never know God's ways, God's thoughts, until you humble yourself and say, Lord Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to read the Bible. So many of us have this GPA system in your mind. You have a compass. The only problem with your compass, it is wrong. It is not pointing at the right direction. And you think everything's okay. You see, life is about choices, and choices have consequences. You make wrong choices. Don't be like that captain who does not want to change. You need to humble yourself. Lord, I want to choose God's, I want to choose your wisdom. So let's continue reading. God's way is so counterintuitive. Really, you need to be intentional to choose God's wisdom. It does, it does not come naturally. Here's an example. Counterintuitiveness of God. Everybody read. Consider your calling, brethren. There were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. What the Bible is saying is simply this. Not many of you have a PhD degree. Not many of you have a master's degree. Not many mighty. Many of you are not politically powerful. Not many of you have connection. Not many are noble. You know, many, you, you are blue-blooded. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. What does that mean? What the Bible is saying is this. God purposely choose ordinary people. Now, the Bible does not mean God does not want to choose rich people, popular people, successful people. No, no. It is simply saying not many. You see, if you look at CCF, most of us are average people. Amen? That's God's wisdom. Notice the next verse. The Bible tells us. God has chosen the base things of the world, the despised God has chosen, the things which are not, that he may nullify the things that are. It's counterintuitive. For what purpose? So that no man may boast before God. What you just read is a reflection of the book of Jeremiah, chapter 9. The book of Jeremiah talks about the same thing. Thus says the Lord, everybody read now, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him boast, boast of this one thing. He understands and knows me. I am the Lord. The key is knowing God through Jesus. Well, who is God who exercises loving kindness, justice, righteousness on earth? I delight in these things. You know, God is amazing. God is saying, one thing you need to seek, get to know me. God is saying, I am full of love, righteousness, kindness. That's my advice. If you want to read the Bible, you know, when I read the Bible, I don't just read it. I read with intention of knowing God. Let me repeat. I don't just read the Bible. When I read, I have questions in my mind. What can I know about God? What can I know about His promises? What can I know about what God does not like? So my study of the Bible is to direct me to know Him. I don't study the Bible for the sake of knowledge. I study the Bible to know Jesus, to know God. And I encourage all of you, read the entire Bible. Between now and December, you have time. If you should make the decision, Decision. Remember, I used to give you an incentive. What's my incentive? If you are a new Christian, you just came in this week or you know this year. You you are new, and you read the entire Bible by the end of the year. You come and see us. I'll give you a gift. 
But to those of you who have been a believer for 10 years, 5 years, 4 years, 3 years, you have been a believer, sorry, you get your gift from your D group, all right? But for me, I'm serious. If you're a young believer, it's your first time here, or it's this year only, you read the entire Bible. And then you see, come see me in my office, okay? We, we have an office here. We will be happy to give you a gift, all right? But I won't tell you the gift, okay? But I want you to know something. God chooses ordinary people. For example, do you recall God choosing Rahab? Who is Rahab? A prostitute. Do you recall God choosing Joseph? Joseph was a simple what? Shepherd. He became a slave. But what happened to Joseph? He became the prime minister of the most powerful nation at that time, Egypt. God uses ordinary people. One of my favorite is when you surrender whatever you have, God chooses the foolish things of the world, the base things of the world. For example, I want you to look at the staff of Moses. You know, the staff of Moses is nothing. But once it is surrendered to God, it's powerful. It can open the Red Sea. I want you to look at David. Look at his slings. Look at those stones. Those are nothing. But when you surrender those slings, the stones to God, it can kill a Goliath. Look at this little boy. This little boy, five loaves, two fish. It's nothing. But when you surrender that to God, when you surrender what you have, five loaves, two fish can feed 5,000 men. Therefore, the message is this. You have no excuse not to serve the Lord. You have no excuse. Whatever you have, you say, I'm not qualified. Praise God. Surrender your disqualifications. Surrender whatever you have. Say, Lord, here I am. Use me. In fact, the hardest people to use, the hardest people for God to use are proud people. But God wants to use everybody. Can you turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, God wants to use you? You see, if that's your attitude, godly wisdom, God uses ordinary people, there's no reason to fight each other. There's no reason for conflict. And the last thing I want to share with you about God's wisdom is simply this. It has power. The changing power of God to transform lives. What do I mean? Let me ask you a question. What enters your mind when you think of the word power? What enters your mind? Power. Hmm? You know, for some people, power means what? It's a strong force, right? Like atomic bomb. Wow. For some people, what is power? Wow, you have typhoon, hurricanes, right? For us, that's power. But many people don't realize. If you ask me, the greatest power is the power to change the heart of people. I look at my life. Once upon a time, I don't know God. I don't like God. A sinner. But God did something through the Holy Spirit. He changed my life. And that, my friend, is power. Has God changed your life? Yes. Well, let's look at what happened. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. Notice, by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So that as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. By God's doing, my friend, that's power. By his doing, what happened to us? By his doing, you are in Christ. Notice, preposition, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom, righteousness, Sanctification, redemption. Three important theological words I want you to learn. Word number one, righteousness. Word number two, sanctification. Word number three, redemption. These are all yours in Christ Jesus. What is righteousness? Righteousness simply means what? This is from the word, okay, let's forget the Greek word. Righteousness simply means what? It's a legal term. You are declared not guilty. You are declared not guilty what happened to your sin? Paid for by Jesus. 
What is the meaning of the word sanctification? The word sanctification, hagiasmo, simply means what? You are set apart. All your sins have been completely forgiven. That is in Christ Jesus. Have you thought about this? In the eyes of God, you are sanctified. In the eyes of God, you have been redeemed. Redemption. It's a business word. Commercial language. Ransom. Set free through payment in Christ. So the Bible is telling us God's wisdom is the ability to make sinners, because of Christ, righteous, sanctified, redeemed. Now, I'm going to give you some verses. Example, righteousness. Everybody read. In, he made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf, that you might become the righteousness of God. Notice, it's about Jesus. You are righteous. So when God looks at you, are you righteous? What happened to your sin? What happened to your sin? It's paid for by Jesus. Let's look at the word sanctification. Okay? Your life is, all, is in the eyes of God is sinless. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says you have been what? Sanctified. Look at the grammar. Past perfect tense. God did something for us on the cross and now the impact in your life, in the eyes of God, you are completely holy. Wow! Remember I told you last week, you are holy? Do you recall that? My only question is, are you living a holy life? Can you turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, you are holy? Now ask your neighbor, are you living a holy life? Can you please ask your neighbor, are you living a holy life? Let me repeat. You are holy. Tell your neighbor, you are holy. Are you living a holy life? You see? People who are holy, they will do their best to live a holy life. Hmm. You see, theologically speaking, you are made holy when Jesus died on the cross for you. What about redemption? Wow, the Bible tells us we have been redeemed through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. See, all of these are foolishness. To the people who don't know Jesus, but for us, it's the genius of God. He's able to make us holy. So let me ask you a question. How many of you are sure today you will go to heaven when you die? Raise your hands. You are sure. You know why you are sure? Because of Jesus. Without Jesus, you cannot be sure. Therefore, if you keep looking at yourself, you will never be sure. But if you fix your eyes on God's wisdom, it is in Jesus, then I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. So my friend, I have good news for you. Because of Jesus. The question is, are you living the way He wants you to live? So how do you live it? Through the Holy Spirit. Let me explain to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, quickly. When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. You know what Paul is saying? I'm a model, I'm an example of putting my confidence in the power of God, in the power of the gospel, and not in myself. Look at how Paul described his approach to preaching. When I came to you, I did not come with superiority of speech, or wisdom. I simply proclaim to you, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you, weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, don't be sad or discouraged when you feel nervous every time you talk about Jesus. It's okay to be nervous. The Apostle Paul was nervous. I get nervous when I speak. But my confidence is not in myself. My confidence is in who? Jesus. Look at the next verse. My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. Paul is never trying to impress people with eloquence. Do you know some people, they're so good in talking? When they give messages, wow, everything's so nice, but no power. 
Have you had that experience? My wife and I have attended different conferences. And we notice the guy is a very good speaker. But it does not touch my soul, my heart. You know the difference? The Holy Spirit. You want to learn to speak in such a way that the Holy Spirit will use your word to convict people. But don't, I'm not going to depend on my own intelligence, my eloquence to convince people. I'm not a salesman, okay, for Jesus. I'm a messenger of Jesus, amen? So that's what you need to do. Look, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. That's what you and I should learn. The power of the gospel is in the gospel itself. It's in Jesus, not in the eloquence of men. Look at the next verse. Paul is saying, if we speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this, not of this age, nor of the ruler, nor of... Let's, let's correct my... Let's, in, let's read together nicely. <laughs> Yet we do speak wisdom. He's saying this is not stupid. This is wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would have made, they would have, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What Paul is saying is this. The gospel is the wisdom of God, but the rulers of this world did not understand. They never understood it. Can I tell you something? Ephesians 3 enlightened this verse. Ephesians 3 tells us something. To bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages have been hidden in God who created all things. Now, listen now. So that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church, through us, to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus. This is an amazing Bible truth. The Bible is telling us the gospel was hidden from the eyes of angels and demons. Look at this verse. To be made known through the, because of the gospel, we are now declaring to the universe, the rulers, and the authorities in the heavenly places. In other words, before Jesus died on the cross, the demons, the angels, had no idea. What is God's plan of salvation? The devil was thinking he was successful when Jesus died, was crucified. And then boom, when Jesus died and rose again, and the gospel is proclaimed, wow, the gospel is simply this. The sinless Son of God died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we can be completely forgiven. And he rose again from the dead to prove that this is the act of God. Therefore, my friend, you are the showcase of God's wisdom to the whole universe. God's wisdom is the gospel message of salvation that people of this world can never understand because they don't understand how can you reconcile the holiness of God and the love of God? How do you reconcile together? How can God's holiness, God's justice, God's love, God's mercy save a sinner like us? The only answer to reconcile justice of God, love of God, is through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, for you and for me. And that, my friend, is the power of God's wisdom. And the Bible tells us, continue, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, God's wisdom, just as it is written, things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For God revealed them through the Spirit. In other words, without the Holy Spirit, you and I would have no idea 
about this amazing truth. What is this truth? Things which eye has not seen, ears has not heard, nor things entered the mind of man. God has prepared for those who love him. Do you know you have an amazing future? Tell me, what is your favorite vacation spot in your mind? My wife and I have been to different places in the world. One of our favorite places is in New Zealand. Wow, beautiful. The other part of New Zealand, not the city, but I think south. I don't know, south or north. Whatever it is. I've been to beautiful beaches, beautiful scenery. The Bible says, what I have not seen, nor ears heard, nor things entered your mind. So think of the happiest moment of your life. Just think. You know what God is saying? I have something better for you. Hallelujah. God has something better for you in Christ Jesus. Therefore, the Bible tells us how will you understand all of this? Look at the last verse I want to discuss today. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. In other words, once you have the spirit of God, your life changes. Today, I've asked a couple to share with us their story. How the power of God, the wisdom of God through the Holy Spirit can transform marriages. Are you ready to hear the testimony of our brothers and sisters? As they are coming, Baron and Kat, please come. As they are coming, I want you to notice something. The power of God can change lives. No atomic bomb, no dictator, no force in this world can change the heart of people except the gospel. Please. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kat, and this is my husband, Baron. I met Baron, my husband, when I was in my first year of high school. As a teenager, it was all butterflies and kilig moment at first. It started as something innocent, but God-given our exposure through our peers and other friends that have relationships, an innocent love led to immorality. Fast forward to my third year of high school. I was 15 when I got pregnant. This was the start of the roller coasters of ups and downs and mostly downs. Baron and I even thought of abortion because we are afraid, but by God's grace, we did not push for that. After giving birth to my son, Brian, who is now 20 years old now, we're still able to finish our studies both in high school and college. My relationship with Baron turned into a burden or just a feeling of duty because we had a kid. The love that I once was looking for has faded leading to many fights, many disagreements, and a surreal amount of tears and a feeling of emptiness. After I graduated, my mother invited me to CCF. I kept on attending worship service because the love that I was looking for was slowly being revealed to me by God. My singles D group back then, as well as my husband, encouraged us to fix our relationship and get married. We immediately obeyed. It was liberating because we are not living sin anymore. We even joined a couples D group as husband and wife, but we are not attending consistently back then. Time went by and we grew apart. January 2013, it was during prayer and fasting week, I came before God asking Him to reveal to me what I need to change because I was so empty already. At about the same time, my father died of cancer and I learned that my husband having an affair. It all happened at the same time and I was so lost because I did not know what God has revealing to me, but I held on to God's promise in Jeremiah 20:11, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and future. Still, I don't know how and where to start. 
I sought guidance from my non-believer friends and other colleagues who advised me to leave my husband. Deep down, I knew something was missing and pleaded with God for help. I reached out to my couple's D-group leader, and during the session, my leader directed me to Proverbs 31, uh, verse 10, verse 10 to 31, the wife of a noble character. It seemed impossible to fulfill all those responsibilities, but God revealed my, sh- my own shortcomings and the need for repentance and forgiveness. I asked God for forgiveness and strength to change to change me, and seeking his will, I began cooking for my husband, taking care of his needs, and most significantly, praying for him earnestly, day and night, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Even though our relationship already drifted apart, Kat and I stay together because it was our duty to our kids and the people around us. I neglected my own wants while dedicating my life to my wife and children. Justifying it as pursuing my own happiness, I entered that affair, convincing myself that it was the right thing to do. At first, the affair brought temporary satisfaction, but I know it was already, but before I know it, I was already consumed by the pursuit of my own desires. I asked my wife for separation, determined to leave everything behind. Despite being caught in the affair, I continued on. God was already working in my wife's life. This went on for more than a year, but by God's grace, my wife persevered. She entered and never leave me. I remember that every time my wife tells me she loves me, my only response to give was thank you. It is one thing to be separated physically, but it's another thing to be separated emotionally. It also came to a point that I was really begging for her to leave and take care of uh, and take our kids with her so that I can be free. I was so detached that I really did not care how she felt. Now I can only imagine how difficult that was for my wife, and that is one of my big regrets today. It is amazing how God works. During this time, my wife sought God intentionally and attended a couple's tea group on her own. She would share what she've learned about God, but I would always dismiss her and say, Tigilan mo ako dyan sa pagiging spiritual mo, hindi yan para sa akin. Still, She consistently reminded me of God's love, posting Bible verses on our cabinet that I would always remove, only to find them again when I returned home. My wife and and my D-group unceasingly prayed for me. God used my wife so that I can experience the genuine love that I was looking for. I am a living testimony that 1 Peter 3 works. It says, Wives, In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by their behaviors of their wives. By experiencing God's transforming love, I started to read this word and ask for forgiveness to God first. Then I asked forgiveness to my wife and then later on to my kids. Slowly, I felt that the faded love my wife and I had was being replaced by God's love. One day, I agreed with my wife that I wanted to try this D-group thing again. But I wanted to join another D-group because I felt that I will be judged since they already knew what I had done. My wife convinced me to just meet them and see how it goes. To my surprise, I never felt an ounce of judgment. But instead, they welcomed me back wholeheartedly. Through our D-group, marriage retreats, and studying God's Word, we have learned valuable lessons. We now make conscious efforts to fulfill our roles as husband and wife and remain accountable to our D-group. God is always faithful. His love for us was so persistent. Through our couple's D-group, God never stopped pursuing me and my husband. Today, God has fully redeemed our marriage, and we are still part of the same couples D group for more than 13 years. Praise we God. love them so much and we praise God for sending them to us. We are now also leading a couples D group for more than seven years and we're, where we can also share the love of Christ and grow spiritually together as well as serving as husband and wife in the Welcome Center. We started wrong but God made it right. 
in the wisdom of this world, it doesn't make sense that we're here, but we're still here. When we look back, we see God's redeeming grace all throughout our marriage, and we are still both a work in progress. We are but an imperfect couple who is loved by a perfect God. To Him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to make us stand in the presence of His glory blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and forever. Praise God. You notice something? Only the gospel, God's wisdom through the gospel, has the power to change hearts. And they were on their way to separation. But God's love, God's wisdom, God's power restored them. Do you want to raise your right, right hand, everybody? Let's pray for them. Their D group leader is out of town. Tell him he's forgiven. <laughs> but uh, forgave him already. Yeah, you forgive him already. Father God in heaven, we thank you for the testimony of Kat and Byron. I thank you that they were humble enough to share with the congregation what you have done for them. And now I pray for special protection. I pray that you will use them even more in the years to come to expand your message through them. And I pray for their children. I pray for, his, I pray for the work and business of Byron, that you continue to bless them and above all, give glory to your name through their lives. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen. God bless. As we close, I'd like you to notice something. Remember this formula. God's word plus God's spirit plus our obedience unleashes God's power. God's word, I hope you are studying it. God's spirit in your life, through your life, plus our obedience will result in transformed lives. Question, if everything is done through the Holy Spirit, do you have the Holy Spirit inside your life? Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Romans 8, verse 9 tells us, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. My concern is there are some of you here who really don't have the Holy Spirit. You know why the Holy Spirit is important? Because the Holy Spirit tells us who is a real Christian or not. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So you can come here once a week or once a month, and you think you're a Christian. But my friend, my question is very simple. Do you have God's Spirit in your heart? You see, many of you are struggling. You keep asking, how come I cannot get out of pornography? How come I cannot get out of addiction? You are using your willpower. Perhaps the problem is this. You never surrendered your life to the Spirit of God. You, you, you are not able to humble yourself and say, Lord, I cannot do it on my own. It has to come to a point where you are totally broken before God and say, Lord, I cannot do it. I need you. Come into my life. Be my Savior be my Lord. If that's what you want, I want you to know something today. Wise up, everybody. Wise up. What must you do? Choose God's wisdom. God's wisdom is centered in Christ. God's wisdom is counterintuitive. But God's wisdom is power through the Holy Spirit. You need to have the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads. I'll give you a chance. If you are willing to pray sincerely, to have the Holy Spirit in your heart. You don't have the Holy Spirit. Today you are not sure whether you have the Holy Spirit or not. But I want to pray for you. With your heads bowed down, you raise your hand. Those of you who want to make sure you have the Holy Spirit, you want to ask the Holy Spirit to come to your life. Raise your hands. I want to pray for you. If you have the Holy Spirit, don't raise your hands anymore. But if you are not sure, you raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Higher. Right? Those of you who want the Spirit of God in your heart, wherever you are right now, I want to pray this prayer with you. What I want you to do, wherever you are, with your hands raised up, keep them high up. Keep them high up. And then you pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. I need to change from inside out. 
I confess I'm a sinner. I confess that apart from you, I cannot save myself. So Spirit of the living God, come into my heart. Come into my life. I now understand that forgiveness is possible because of Jesus. So Jesus, because you died for me, I now ask you to be my Savior. I ask you to be my Lord. With open heart, come in. Be my master. Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Those of you who prayed that prayer, do you know what happened to you today? If you sincerely prayed that prayer, today is your birthday, spiritually. But you need to grow. So to grow, learn. Be part of a small group, study, and, and join. Anyway, there are many things you will need to learn, but we'll be happy to help you, all right? So God bless you. Good day, church. Welcome to Sunday Fast Track, where you ask real-life questions and we give you biblical truths. My name is Gia Pentinio from Big Singles Ministry, and we are here today with our very own Pastor Peter Tanchi to answer some of your questions. Pastor Peter, good day. Good day. For those that are new to the faith, how do I differentiate worldly wisdom with godly wisdom when both appear to be the same? Or how can I best discern which is from God? The only way you can discern worldly wisdom from godly wisdom is, first of all, you have to know the Bible. If you do not know what the Bible says, how can you discern? So if you know God's word, God's wisdom, what God wants you to do will never contradict his word. So the first important rule is know God's word. And the second, Look at the results. God's wisdom is always in line with his heart. Loving people, forgiving people, holy living, peace, joy. Worldly wisdom gives you temporal pleasure, temporal happiness, but at the end, it's disaster. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Peter. But before we go, I would like to invite the singles to join us this Friday, July 14, 7.30 p.m., at CCF Center Multipurpose Hall as we worship and study God's Word together in Big Fridays. That's it for CCF Sunday Fast Track. God bless, and we'll see you next week.